Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to genetically engineer your skin so that it glows with neon colors in the dark. Bad resource for that. Could you do that with like a tattoo? Can you do? You can could you probably get, like, can you get a glow in the dark tattoo? Is that a real thing? Maybe with some crisper crispering. Well, like, couldn't I just? Take, I don't know. Couldn't I just take the bacteria from an angler fish's? thing light thing and like inject it into my skin yes <laughs> and if you uh, go to a tattoo parlor yeah i give them this vial fish i got no i got it in a vial i'm i'm civilized i i did all the gross stuff behind doors but i like the idea of you bringing the angler fish into the tattoo parlor just in a plastic bag yeah kind of like in finding nemo try not to hurt him this is frank but he's agreed yeah. to loan me his bacteria yeah, just a little bit, and I'm going to get a cool try to, tattoo. Try to get some of that. Mom. I'm sure that injecting strange bacteria into my skin is fine. Make it look cool. It is fine. It is fine. All right, let's get into this episode. A real quick note, we are on episode 296 of this show. So for people who have not been listening to the past uh, probably 10 or so episodes, uh, after episode 300, we are changing the name of this show. So it's going to appear as a new name in your feed, which I just thought of something. Maybe we should keep our faces in the artwork. Oh, that so would make it less like, confusing. What is that's this about, show? That's very possible. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so no no other changes other than there, there won't mm. be a student-focused name of the show anymore, which won't pressure us to make student-focused content. Um, yeah, we'll go episode like we've done for like 100 one. episodes. We're going to episode one of a new thing. That yeah. way we don't run out of numbers. I'm pretty sure that there aren't that many numbers after 300. There aren't. And I didn't there... want to run into the, the upper limit. Yeah. You don't want to run into the upper limit of numbers. Well, this isn't a math podcast. It's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. Yeah. So one thing that we are going to continue to do in our new show is read and review or discuss books. Um, and this is a book well, discussion like, episode. Couldn't I just take? No, it's not. Couldn't I just take the bacteria? Episode. But this from week, an angler fish is discussing the book thing, light thing by and Chris like Bailey, inject it. Who is actually a friend of mine? He's been on this show into my a couple skin. of different times. Uh, both <laughs> and, were before episode uh, one. Say, and yeah, I give him this vial. Some of my favorite. I got, no, I got it in a vial. I'm, I'm civilized. I, I did all the gross stuff behind doors. The second one is called the worst thing you could do for your productivity. Yeah, you so might notice. You Chris might notice like the on show. cover art. Um, the cover art will probably change, and you'll see that. At least and you'll the be second like, time he was on the show, his first Just book, know. the Productivity Project, had been released. It'll be fine. It'll I read be okay. That book I found it very Shh. helpful and enlightening. And he has a new one called Hyperfocus, which is a bit Pro- more probably. Well, it should probably here, look like it's from the same people. Yeah, on the science. It won't be too focus, scary. We'll guide you through it. We'll hold your hand and we'll get you this together. From tearing your attention away from yeah. the things that you intend to do. Or rather, that's actually what half the book is about. And that was actually kind of an interesting yep. revelation as I was reading it, is half the book is actually about not focusing and doing that in a deliberate way that has uh, a lot of useful yep. benefits. So both Martin and I read the book. Um, no, and one of mine is actually and this from book Community was College, for me the start to, of so. my note taking habit. Getting Look at back that. That was that was first swing. college. So I actually sure. took very detailed notes on this I, book, um, which I posted on my personal website. 
I went to community college after high school. I want to see like because everything I, I, I know what I was doing with my life. I kind of just followed a friend there, there to be honest. Um, but I did well for and myself. Show notes, I'll probably and it was cool. And the biggest lesson that I took from it, I majored in network and system administrations and desktop support and computer I read it though. Sit in a server and actually, room and fix me, stuff. Let me start things kind of off there major. because I have sort of the come biggest to a lesson. Conclusion. And all, all three of my lessons uh, are concepts I that I learned notes, in class but that if I, I want to take notes on a book uh, very strongly elsewhere. I'm probably so the not first going lesson to that I learned and listen to it. And it kind of changed how I do everything forever. With one is the importance of fault exception. tolerance. I had never heard that phrase before. I have one potential exception. I had there. never Concern um, myself that book, much with uh, listening to it, and then I'm going to go back and read it. But since I learned the concept of fault tolerance, I have never that way, lost an I important see piece of data. Kind of not once. I have not lost um, anything that I need. I don't think um, I would ever like you read say, a book twice. Like when it comes to sort of without a lot of having things passing, around the house, two is one, one is none. That's a very similar thing. That's just fault tolerance for your physical goods. Bike riding with you or Tony. Sometimes I go by myself. Uh, I it kind of taught me so that I always need to be prepared for things to break, to not just hard drives or computers, but if I'm not prepared Either I'll read it again and find it very for helpful, the reasonably likely things I will be too that could go wrong, then I'm not prepared at all, and I'm just going to get hit in the face with a surprise and have everything fall apart. And so many people came to me on the next at my job there with that exact same problem because their stuff broke. And they were like, here are years That's of data that was on a flash podcast, drive. Actually, please, please, dear God, save my life. And lucky uh, for them, I, I could know. save I most of it. That all but not all of it. And there's nothing you can do about anime, that other than prepare forever. yourself. Or at least in terms of shonen anime. Any kind of like battle anime just, just goes on forever. Yeah. Oh, one thing. I'm looking at my notes here. Before we get into the book, I do want to make a possible correction. So, uh. In the episode we did on five skills, I mentioned that the, I the whole figured computer, that's that fun. rollerblading would be less hard on the knees than running. And I got an email from a listener who says, uh, let's see here. I'm, a, th- I'm a, th- a physical therapist, and I deal with the misconception that running is bad for your knees on a daily basis. And I couldn't that's so sad. The impact you receive while running is actually quite good for the cartilage in your knees, ankle, hip, and spine. Because cartilage has poor vascularization and gets its uh, nutritional substances from decompression and uh, compressing of the structure. So I guess running is good for that. Uh, as a quickness, as a quick side yeah. note, you need to build up your mileage gradually in order to prevent running related injuries. And he re- linked it to a study confirming what he said. It's a guy from Belgium. I looked at the study and it was interesting to see that uh yeah who, i i have a service interruption in kleenex sedentary, people who ran as amateurs and people who ran professionally it's true it just sounds so fancy more cartilage degradation in the sedentary group and the professional runner group than in the amateur running group um, yeah what i would be interested to know is can that study and its results given the sample size and given the groups of people tested can that be um contrasted or compared to people yeah. who do different forms of exercise like rollerblading i didn't see any kind of comparison to people who are you know doing biking or rollerblading it was a sedentary group so yeah yes yeah uh all that science being put aside personally if i run more than six or seven miles i get 
horrible pain in my left ankle. Yeah, like my computer's seven years old. It could break at any moment. I mean, that's like only a third of Hard a marathon. Hard drive fail right now. Not e- no, yeah, not even. It is boring. That's true. That's why marathon isn't on my impossible list. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, what would be worse, like two hours of meditation or two hours of the marathon? I don't know. For... Oof. Oof. I would be like Ron Swanson in that episode where Chris takes him to meditate and he just stands there. <laughs> yeah, but he hated it. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll, if you if you ever want me to do that, you can you can entice me with like a Greek restaurant afterwards, potentially. All right, what'd you learn from this book? Yeah, good sir. And like even if you can't have, like I don't some have a things, spare computer sitting around or anything, but I can tell you right now that other than this specific podcast episode, okay. if I went grab my hammer and just smashed the laptop. I would not be concerned about any data loss. I would just buy a new laptop, which would annoy me because I didn't feel like it right now, mm-hmm. but I could do it immediately, get all my real stuff back and be up and running in like a day. No, it wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. True. It would only stop like web development, really. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I bet I could I could have a pretty decent setup on my iPad probably if I had to. It would annoy me. It wouldn't be as good, but I wouldn't lose things. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest loss would probably be Lightroom just because I don't like the mobile version. But it would still function. Mhm. Yeah. So when I read that study, because I think in terms of statistics, I'm like, all right, that's an average number. So there are clearly people who are able to focus for longer than that. Who are the people yeah. who are on yeah. the other, like who are the people who are on the other side of that? Who are getting distracted like every five seconds? It, it would definitely not be good. <laughs> yeah. There, there were so many study results in this book and the overall picture they paint, I have to wonder like how accurate could it, co- could it possibly be? And I, I think a lot of it is like, it's a lot of different studies that he brings in and all these studies, you know, aren't part of one overall study. There are multiple different academic teams, but there, yeah, there was one that was like, it takes on average yeah. 22 minutes to resume a task after you have like an external distraction uh, and he said, for internal distractions, where you distract yourself, that number goes up to 29 minutes to get back. And like half your day is spent in mind wandering mode. Um, and yeah, there were some there were some crazy ones. Like I'm trying, to, I'm looking through my notes, and unfortunately, my notes are. I think I took too many notes on this book. Uh, yeah, one study found that we switch between computer applications on average 566 times a day, which includes 21 Facebook checks. And that average included people who didn't use Facebook. So if you only take the people who use Facebook at least once, it's a 38 check average. People are checking Facebook 38 times a day. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was an interesting one that I, I read and I, 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 so I put notes of like my own thoughts in italics. Um, there was one interesting tidbit about sex. So apparently women have fewer interruptions and they distract themselves left less often. And I was interested. I was like, Hmm, I wonder why that is like, why, why do guys seem unable to, to focus? Yeah. Quite I think Dropbox has that too. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's all these different things. There was, some stats about how long people spend on that email. That is possible. I would not know Man, because I already all these so together. Have a it lot paints of space. a picture that no one ever gets any work done. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet recently that was something along the lines of, you know, a lot of managers these days, like if you, if you were very honest about their job description, it is have my online icon be green and slack. Like there's so many jobs have, yeah, they've just like taken on all these superfluous responsibilities and, I think it may be interesting to see, you know, what the landscape looks like after all this quarantining is over and everyone's kind of become used to flatter organizations and remote work and all this stuff. There were some other ones that baffled me. 70% of emails are opened within the first six seconds of receipt. That seems insane to me. Like our are people sitting in their offices or in their cubicles or wherever with their email pro- program open all day with no- like notifications on and they just instantly open every email that comes in? I get like 100 emails a day. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. That'd be like, that's like 100 interruptions per day if I were to actually be opening them within six seconds of receipt. That That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm checking now. It looks like Dropbox Didn't Basic and Plus, you can recover file edits for 30 days, and they but professional and business give you 180 days. And for a, for a business, I could definitely I I see why you here. might want six months of history. But um, for most people, one, 30 days is, is going to be fine. And I don't have Backblaze, but I do have so, yeah, an actual external conclusion. drive. I do a time machine backup, when, when are which is just, which is just the Mac work. version of backing up your computer. Same for anybody on Windows. But I just have a backup of all my files on a hard drive. They're all on my computer locally. I consider my computer hard drive another thing in case Dropbox fails. And then... Dropbox, which I am quite certain that all of the companies doing that have their own super ridiculous raid fault tolerant systems because that's yeah. how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have, have noticed that. Yeah. In case my house burns down. Mm-hmm. 
So one thing that this book did for me was it sort of served as a reminder that I need to now, take focus Yeah, because I don't want to be like, I can't leave the house. I got to get my hard drive um, or I'm ruined. That's, that's why that's I think you know, books bad. Like now, if Dropbox goes out of business helpful, at the same time as my house burns down, and making videos about I will be sad. And that's, that's what will happen. Years at this point. But I doubt it. Seems and really unlikely. Even if I haven't read all the studies that were presented in this book, most of the concepts for me were review rather than a bunch of new stuff. Is it which is, is it bad? Very different I to think the book bad. I'm right now, which is called Range. There's a lot of very new things in that book I've never heard of before. So it's kind of a different reading experience. This was kind of review. Um, for people who haven't spent 10 years plus reading about productivity, I think it's a good overview of focus. Uh, and I kind of want to go through a few of the things that it sort of spurred me to do. Um, and those are going to be kind of be my lessons, I suppose. And the, I think the biggest one was the bit about intentionality because I did find it very easy to sort of slip into a, a habit of just sort of working on autopilot or loading my task list up with way too many things. And it's one of those things where like, I've said it to myself a zillion times, you have to have only a few things on your task list. And then it's so easy to justify why today, well, I've got more than that to do. So I'm just going to put, you know, five or six on my list and uh, they don't get done. You know, like half the time they just don't get done because things take longer than you think they're going to take. So the bit about setting a deliberate intention when you sit down to work before you sit down to work, actually just being like, this is what I'm going to do during this session. That was very helpful for me to sort of review and, and rebuild into my system. Nice. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I found if it's, if my intention is I'm going to sit down and get to work or if it is, if it's too big, like I'm going to research this video, uh, yeah. it's a lot. So I'll probably sit down and be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to check my email first. Always That's back up stuff like that before you make a big change. Defined, which and every, every should time. be a dead giveaway about the crappiness of my intention because my mind is looking for a well-defined task that is easier. Checking my email. There are... There are certain aspects of that that you could attribute to distractibility and dopamine hits, you know, an email connected to, you don't know what's going to every hard you drive what you're going to get. Not just the window, not just the one hard drive uh, that the, the operating system could be on. going through my email, clearing my inbox. That is, yeah, you shouldn't trust well things even when they usually work. That's basically that the point here. I know that when I accomplish it, when I finish it, I'm going to have a quick little feeling of accomplishment. So it is an attractive task. And what that means is I need to yeah. make whatever my intention yeah. is have some of those same qualities. So for like researching a video, I need to break that down. Uh, research for 25 minutes, you know, typical set the timer thing. And um, maybe take one of the questions I have in my preliminary notes and go down that rabbit hole or take two articles that I have listed. Cause the way that I typically research is I'll go and I'll just search for the topic, open up a zillion tabs, copy all those URLs and then start going through them. But you know, you can't go through every URL in one session or maybe you could, but if you tell yourself I'm going to do that again, it's overwhelming. 
and you're once again finding yourself checking your email. So by being a lot more defined, by taking a smaller, uh, I guess like adopting a smaller scope in my attention, I'm going to be a lot more likely to do it. So that was helpful for me. Uh, what was a big one for you? There's a Kmart in Ames? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's a term from the A Mind for Numbers by Barbara Oakley. She calls I mean, it I kind of remember the theater. Mode, and here Chris calls it hyper-focus and scatter-focus. Oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Huh. Kmart must have been, it was invisible to me the whole time, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be honest you should really make sure that somebody wants to hear those words before you say them. Cause lifelong anything has the very big potential to be scary and a lifelong, a job is one of the more scary things you really need to make sure they're like, yeah. they need to be like Dwight Schrute level. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Then you can say they won't, they're going to be a lifer. Then they'll like it. But if they're not Dwight, you sh probably shouldn't say that. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I want you to know that that story sounds like, like a made-up story. It just, my great-grandpappy worked at the cement place. Yeah. It just sounds exactly like a story that is a stereotype. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're all just stressed <laughs> out a lot. That sounds that sounds likely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole That's idea awesome. that you want to collect a wide range it's of coolest dots, grandpa I've ever heard of, so you can enhance the current skills and knowledge bases that you have, but also expose yourself to new ones. I really resonated with that. Um, Right now, I'm actually reading an entire book about that concept. It's called Range. And I definitely want to discuss that it's book like on movies. the with you. I'm about halfway through the book, and I would already recommend it to anybody. Uh, we call it an essential read. And there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there that sort of debunks the idea that you have to start super early to get good at something. Like a lot of people think, you know, if you haven't started piano or violin or chess or whatever it is super early, then you'll never be great at it. And there's a lot of really interesting research showing that elite performers more often than not are not the ones who started when they were two years old. In most disciplines, they kind of try out a bunch of things. And if it's say athletics, trying out a bunch of sports gives them this base of athleticism that's very general and very adaptable. 
which they then use to get super good at whatever they eventually pick. And then their practice hours go up. Or for musicians, a lot of great musicians played multiple instruments throughout their entire lives or early on. And then their experience. Yeah, you don't want to wait for a big moment like lends that. Lends itself. Because by the time that big moment comes, in you've, the one they you've spent a lot of time not asking the question. So this whole idea of, of just collecting this wide array of dots, I really liked. Um, and I loved this idea that he had. And I think you mentioned that you wanted to talk about this too, but um, he talks about like in terms of choosing what dots you want to consume, making them bid for your attention, even while you're consuming them. I liked that a lot because we often feel like, oh, if I started a show, I, I have to finish it. If I started a book, I have to finish it. And it, it's not always valuable all the way through. So not only should you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like keeping junk around your house just in case you might need it like my house came with this tv stand thing that bolts into the wall like a wall mounted tv stand and i'm like well well, maybe someday i'll want to bolt a tv to the wall so maybe i should yeah, keep it's it. funny you say that because the sunk cost yeah, fallacy is actually yet. one of my lessons why keep junk around yeah it's one of the biggest things i learned the uh, from like, the yeah, college if, oh if business something is not benefiting as, you, as i think they called it, it around i had this realization with the anime one piece Back when we were all living together in college, I was watching One Piece and I got 200 episodes in and I realized, no collusion. you know what? A lot of these episodes are really padded out. There's that just means they're doubly important. That's a, that's a cool thing. A lot of the filler. I like this show. Yeah. Yeah. So I dropped it. You know, it's like this, this is fine, but. I think I could spend my attention on better things and I've quit books too. Yeah. I think with, especially with like nonfiction books, we sort of feel this pressure to keep going because I don't know, we're going to feel like quitters if we stop reading a book and it almost feels like books have this sort of sacred status in terms of mediums for the transfer of knowledge. So the sunk cost fallacy is supposed to finish a book because I just really like like the ultimate thing. When I hear like a video, whatever, that's nothing. A blog post is nothing. It sort of changes how I look at life. It's sort of a philosophical knowledge is it's big and it's widely applicable. Like books are where people, I really like very, very deep. The idea and the reminder that if you, if you come up to a situation and you're not happy for books and there's, yeah, I was going to put this in my video about of, uh, how, to, how I take notes from books, but fork. I ended up cutting it because kind of made the video too long. But the point is, um, but from I, whatever I, point I you find yourself in, in life, you should be considering some books which of these paths going great, forward do I like the best, not which of these paths retroactively the justifies the path amazing. I took last time. But some books, and that's that's a really big thing for me because it's super hard for me to just like glorify business cards so many things that I do. I love languages. It was so Um, hard for me to decide to stop taking Mandarin and German because I wanted to focus on graduating a semester early and 
It was Writing really hard for me to quit my first job out of college because I essentially changed careers immediately. That, I immediately uh, got nerve damage out of my first you know, career. Is what happened. To represent you and it was really hard uh, for me to quit speaking gigs writing for Polyglot, my language blog. Having a traditionally published And it wasn't necessarily because I wanted like to keep doing it. It was always like, but this is who I've cases. been. And what if you am don't I? Have one, like you kind of if, need something. If I else, get rid of the thing I, kinda, I've I put of, so much into, uh, this is look at it where my way. life has been going. For better, what, for what worse, do I do now? Well, the answer is traditional media. Choose has a whatever lot you want. That time's already gone, so I did quit all of those things. Authority, and I don't regret it now. I don't have a problem with it, but it was, it's very hard to do because for I that get, reason, getting a traditionally published, I get everything wrapped up in my identity. Like a foot in the door in many cases. And it becomes so hard to quit anything. Can I mean, my last name is German. It hurt me to quit German. Writing a book instead of just and I was I was getting really good at Mandarin tone idea. pronunciation. Um, and I didn't want to quit something that I was doing well at. Sometimes push for books to be of a certain length. It was just and a sunk cost. Sort of, sure, I could be good at that, and I put time into it. But yeah. moving forward, it's not more important than the alternatives, and that's the only question that I should be asking myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, and that sort of speaks to um, our the way we perceive value in physical objects. Yeah, because when you go to the bookstore and you pick up a book, like if it's a little hefty, if it's like two hundred plus pages, you're like, oh yeah, this is like a you know substantial book. I bet it's chock full of insights. It's going to be good. And if it's this little thin thing, like it feels it's like a stocking stuffer book, even though it might be more valuable because maybe it's communicating the same ideas in half the time, half the space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Did you ever get a thesaurus out and change words in book reports and papers back in like middle school to make yourself sound smarter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't think we had a set. I do remember growing up, my dad saying when he was a kid, he would often just pull an encyclopedia volume off the shelf, turn to a random page and, and read whatever he found there and that it would be a great habit to be in. So you could sort of build this wide array of knowledge, but I don't think we actually ever got a set of encyclopedias. They're expensive, which is probably the reason why I never got them. Mm hmm. I do remember doing that at school though, because school had, I think two different sets of the world book and I would just pull a shelf or pull a volume off the shelf sometimes and just read through it, which is fun. And then I remember our friend, Aaron, his browser homepage was just the Wikipedia random URL. So whenever he'd open his browser for the day, it would just pull up a random article. And if he was interested, he would read it, which is kind of an interesting thing to do it. Maybe he still does. Yeah. It. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like if I'm just exposed to a word without having a reason to use it, I'm not going to remember it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what is... Well, we all know the best use for really, really complex words is just um, very pretentious song titles in progressive metal albums. <laughs> in fact, I never really thought about this before, but I, I think I think a lot of very technical metal bands have a little bit of R slash I am very smart in them. Because I definitely see a correlation between highly technical metal music and jargon yeah. words in their music or or in their song titles. I think I would say uh, I think Protest the Hero does a lot of this. I did like the portmanteaus in that Norma Jean album. Their second album is is just nothing but portmanteaus, which is pretty great. But yeah, you don't see a whole lot of just like. I don't know, four on the floor punk bands naming their songs like Scarilius or weird terms I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, like when your goals change, that's one of the biggest times the sunk cost yeah. fallacy might trick you. <laughs> Just because it's like, but I almost became the person I wanted to be. But if it's not the person you currently want to be, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the scatter focus styles? So he had like, he, he kind of like broke down scatter focus, which again, to give people a high level, high level overview is just the process of essentially letting your mind wander deliberately. Um, there have been many ways this has been talked about. I think in deep work, when Cal Newport talks about active meditation, where he just goes for a walk and kind of mulls over a problem, this is sort of a form of that. Uh, but he, he broke down yeah. scatter focus into three different styles, which he called capture mode, problem country mode, and habitual mode. So capture mode was just like, let your mind wander and then write down what comes to mind. Uh, problem crunching mode was just like holding a problem in your mind and letting your wand mind wander around it. And then habitual mode was like, do something habit based. Like yeah. And depending on what age you are, like, I don't know, the whole honors grab something thing that doesn't take up all of your eventually not going to count space all that while much. also it's going to be like, okay, sure. You were an honors grad. I don't but, know. I, I felt uh, like you're 40, Jim. What, what have you done since then? And, and what, what have you done in the last like 28 years of your life? I'm an honors grad. That. That doesn't, that means, that means nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. At some point your fault tolerance is just doing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want to rest on your laurels. They're not comfy. Yeah. Yeah, we've been out of college longer than we were mm -hmm. in there. And that's transformative. I get a lot of ideas when I'm reading. Like, I definitely get ideas oh, not when I'm skating. Though, I, I would say I spend most of my skating time, like, with people right now. 
Um, but yeah, like I get a ton of ideas of just like reading a book and then something will come to I, me. I was at university for three and a half, but I was at community college for two journal, years. But I got I got two degrees out of it, so I kind of messed up the years. At this point, but has just become like an idea journal. Yeah, I mean, I guess stuff comes to me when I'm when I'm doing other things, but it seems like that's when most of it comes to me. I don't know. It was interesting. Uh, I have to say, I don't I don't do the capture mode where I just sit there with a piece of paper and do nothing. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you get ideas anyway when you meditate? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to know because like you said, you're, you're not intending to have ideas. Oh, so I wonder what the frequency of getting ideas. Anyway Rest well, is. sweet Prince. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's Yeah. Mhm. Mm and headspace is typically guided anyway, isn't it? So you're kind of still focusing on something. Mhm. Mm well, I don't like any kind of meditation. So, I will defer to you on you know, ultimate preferences <laughs> on a cliff side. Peaceful, Honestly, I mean, this isn't one of my lessons, but I really feel like that is a huge thing from college that should be taken. Going to the multiple locations in a day makes that day feel like I was alive and staying in one makes the day forgettable, compressed into the rest of my memories, like a, an efficiently made zip file. <laughs> It, it's not it interesting anymore. And honestly, once you I get feel like I can actually go to places again, as long as you concentrate hard I might try to do some sort of on purpose. Okay, every ninety minutes or so, I need to True. like take a walking break yeah, and your switch locations for a bit. Correlated to how much you so, panic so that I don't you're falling off let cliff. you know. I look back someday, twenty, thirty years from now, and I'm like, what did I do in my late twenties? And then I only remember sitting at this desk. That's not. That's true. That's not great. Got to mix it up. Actually. In in the Denver metro area, I didn't realize this until like the other day. There's this area where the foothills sort of like part, and there's a whole neighborhood that's just back in this little pocket of the foothills, and it looks gorgeous. I want to go see it. Yeah, I really I I don't know what's there. I think it's just houses, but I want to go see what it looks like in it, because it seems like it might look like living in a little valley. Yeah, it's like way on the southwest side of town. 
So I think it would technically be Littleton. I'm not sure though. Um, another really big thing that I took from this book, maybe the biggest was the creation of a distraction free ritual. So he kind of talks about how it's important to set up a sequence of steps that um, essentially allows you to uh, get into the mode of focus and takes care of any problems that might arise. So that might mean putting on a distraction blocker. It might mean setting a timer. It might mean letting your family know that you are going to be working for a little while. Please don't interrupt me. Essentially, it is the process of anticipating what may derail you and getting out in front of it and taking care of it before it actually does derail you. Um, This is another thing where it's like, I know I should do this, but having somebody tell me once again, in plain terms, yes, you need to do this if you want to focus correctly, spurred me to do it again. Yeah. So Yeah, hence the my notebook system, hence everything. The biggest struggle of adulthood for me is that feeling that monotony is default, but it's not inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, I think being human, I think being human is a process of kind of like seeing yourself succeed, getting a little bit of hubris, believing you don't need the controls and the discipline and the commitment devices that you needed in the past. And maybe you don't, but in many cases you do. I've got, I've got all, I probably got too much stuff going on, honestly, but it is like college. I mean, in college you take five, six classes. I had 21 credit hours one semester. This is just what I do. I overwhelm myself with a bunch of things. Some of them go better than others, but at least some of them went well at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't regret it. Yeah, exactly. That one's got to be... I got to figure out how to force that one. Yeah. Once it My feels friend more Sam, who runs this channel called Wonder Productions, I, uh, he had a recent I went to like a French meetup. Like no one was there one time, and then and I never tried again. Humans perceive and and like that's a, that's a bad pattern to get Even into. if the statistics say otherwise. So we will see things like skydiving, flying in a plane, all that kind of stuff as riskier than driving because driving is just something that we all do. We kind of know what the experience is like. Mm. And to be clear, our, our perception of risk isn't tied to what we know about how risky it is. It's just how familiar we are with the thing. It's true. True. What do you miss about it's like we're that? all very familiar with driving. And if you look at stats, we know that it is super dangerous but we do it every day. It's super familiar. So we see it as not risky. And so we get lax and we'll do things like not wearing seatbelts yeah. or texting while driving or whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, it was being around so many people felt so good. Yeah. I was excited when I walked out of the library and I could hear like six languages in four true. minutes. And I was like, there are so many scared. people here. There are possibilities in every direction. You got to kind of force that to happen because if you're in your house, position where there you really scared, aren't though. possibilities in every direction except for outside. You got to you gotta That's go. That's true. You'll be scared for a brief moment. <laughs> my, my dad drove his motorcycle off a cliff once. 
Yeah, like what when he was when he yeah. was when he was much younger, uh, he was riding motorcycles. I, like I had one last one. Motorcycle riding, but he not too complicated. But again, it, it has changed I how I look at everything. And it's, it, the concept of overhead faster, and they were just you know riding not only in a business sense, Yosemite, but like overhead being the and, amount of uh, yeah, for a business a usually the amount of money that you spend on things that are not directly related apparently to the not the same area model. but apparently so a brick this and mortar store you pay, you got to pay rent you got to pay electricity you got to pay for water probably because so that's I'm useful not gonna buy a things like that that aren't directly what you're trying to do family, now, in a business sense that's important that's to keep true, track but of but i don't i have uh, part of the reason web businesses can succeed so well in including what we're doing is because we are not currently paying curse. for a giant office with its own electricity Any and with Frank its own man, stuff. We the eldest sort of Frank man will get a motorcycle, but for me, drive it off a cliff. I've taken overhead a into account for a lot of what I do in a personal sense. And also <laughs> this was before I knew that, but it lines up really well with what the 22nd rule accomplishes. Yeah. Because the idea is that you're removing the effort you put toward mm -hmm. any given thing that isn't for the thing. The time it takes me to set up my piano and get it running is very little because it's right there in the living room. So my overhead is low. Yeah. Almost no effort is put into that. But the effort it might yep. take me to go make food, there's a lot of overhead mm -hmm. in there because and the kitchen is a mess right now. So I'm going to have to move a bunch of extra stuff out of the way. And that's effort that isn't going toward the end goal. Yeah. It's it's like side yeah, quests. Learning that you have to take on before you can no, do the important part. But yeah, learning how something works definitely helps to bring the Maybe overhead as a side Luckily quest. for you, um, you don't have to do anything yourself to ensure that the plane is a safe piece of yeah, equipment. Yeah, it's just, other than, it made me more consciously consider what percentages yeah, of my time like, are going are toward who are what. Which ones are going toward the things I'm proud of and, and which ones well are going toward the you know, but in our own habits or the weird chores that stand in the way of what I want to be doing that I'm proud of. Maintain them and it can be very easy to get lax and just let them go. You know, and luckily that the, the <sighs> I mean, even just hearing yeah. that word made luckily me. Look, the consequences good. here are not as bad as texting and driving or driving without a seatbelt, but when you get lax, then you start to be less productive. Spend a lot more time not working intentionally or getting interrupted. So I read this and I buckled down and I created a distraction-free ritual yeah. for myself. So when I want to write, I set an intention, which is smaller than, it's often smaller than what's on my whiteboard. So my whiteboard might say like research for this video, but if I'm sitting down for a work session, I'll say, you know, let's research these two articles. And if I go further, I go further. But again, it's about having something small enough that I don't feel resistant to starting it. And then I will start a distraction blocking session with freedom, which just blocks, you know, your typical old haunts, your, uh, your old suspects, your Facebooks, Twitter and all that. But for me also any kind of analytics, any kind of email program, anything where my brain will say that's work, go do that real quick. Cause it'll feel good to accomplish something. I got to block that. I'll set a timer. And right now I'm using a little app up in my, uh, Mac toolbar just called be focused. I was using, um, tide, which is like a timer yeah. app on your There's phone. There's a lot of minimalism is reducing. I also overhead keep my like phone. How away much, from what percent is your life on the other side of the office? And do you want to be spending just upkeeping your possessions? So if you have I a lot like, of them, the answer is going to become a lot. Yeah. I like tide, but I don't really want my phone even on my desk because it's a big distraction. Well, I could do that.
I don't want to do it. No, why would I buy an iPod just True. for a timer? Well, then you have a literal <laughs> cost of overhead. Now it's now it's a dollar amount. Oh yeah, don't, oh, okay. Don't you don't you put that idea in my head. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to have too much. I think the first time. I mean, I the more money you have, the more you have to keep it safe. So, and there is some truth to that. Once so you become rich enough, if you become like a billionaire and you don't pay for yeah, security, going to the store and consuming products that seems like some necessary overhead right you should be paying for. It's very easy to sell yourself on something like that. That's that it's being true. Said, once you get to a certain point, I'm gonna say more money is less problems up no, to a certain no. point. I, I do like my watch series, but you know, though. in hip hop, sometimes you got to rhyme uh, that, and you can't go into a lot of nuanced detail without kind of detracting and the fact from the that meaning I share of the song. My ring data and Biggie Dave, wasn't trying to friend. confuse me. And, I know that um, I have the notifications on for how many streak days in a row I've been active. Yeah, so I make sure that I do all my three rings every day. And I wasn't yeah. able to get them for most of the day yesterday. Yeah, it's great because my mom's in forever. town and. It was just a very Probably busy day, though. but uh, I was like, all right, I have to get it. So I rollerbladed at like 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah. And did like three or four miles just to get the ring. Have to get it. Yeah. So for me, it's like accountability. And then I love that I can have my voice recording note thing as a just a shortcut button on the home screen. Because I got a lot of song ideas and riff ideas and stuff like that. So I like to be able to just instantly record. Yeah, for the most part, you know, going to the Apple store to buy something is not productive. I'm pretty sure I bought that when I was like, it was a weekend. So it wasn't like, I'm going to drive to the store during a work day because this is just very much so it's not. It's a weekend thing. Um, But yeah, any long story short, using be focused, which I think there's a free version. Yeah, there is a free version. And then you can. Yeah. Remove. I don't even know what it is. Like a little thing in the modal that, that does advertises sense. the premium version. I guess you could get to remove that if you pay for it. I, I don't know what else it gives oh, yeah. you. <laughs> um, well, good thing we have a short that link. That may I have guess. been what I think there's it extra perfect, stuff that I don't care about, like but... tracking the number of sessions you do per day. I don't care about that. I don't, I honestly don't track my time and I don't track how many sessions I've done because I find that to be tedious and it is not really in service of the goal, which is again, to just get me past the resistance and to hold me accountable while I'm working. Yeah. Don't, don't be sad. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess the last kind of part of that uh, ritual is if I think about it, letting Anna know that I would like to be not disturbed unless she really needs me during the next half hour or so. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're st- you're still working out in the living room, aren't you? Yeah, time time to get some dollars. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I have noticed something kind of similar where I face the wall, so I can't really see if Anna's moving about behind me outside the office, but I can feel it because of the footsteps. So if I, and I have noise canceling headphones, so I don't hear it, but I feel the footstep thuds. And then I'm like, oh, is she going to come in here? Is she going to talk to me? So yeah, it gets a little bit difficult. Yeah. But if I've communicated, I'm like, hey, can I have the next 35 minutes? Just don't interrupt me. Or if you need to do something like text me or send me a Slack message, I'll see it after uh, my session. You know, if, if you need me, come get me. Then she's less likely to interrupt me when I'm trying to work. But more importantly, I've sort of taken care of that anxiety. So I, I don't know if you would actually do that, but that might be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So those are kind of my three lessons, deliberately setting intentions, um, the importance of scatter focus, specifically making the things you consume sort of bid for your attention, even during the act of consumption. Uh, and then the distraction free ritual. Those are kind of the things that I took from it. Um, yeah. And I think yours were fairly similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't be liking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, going forward, I do want to figure out a way to still take notes, but take viewer notes because I took so many notes in this book. Like every fact, every little study thing, I just, I was like, I need to record that. And I, I think I need to record a little bit less in the future. One thing I wanted to bring up before we end here uh, is what I think is important when you're reading a book. If something confuses you, don't let that confusion go. So there was one study result that he cited near the end of the book when he was talking about like working around your energy levels. Um, he cited this study that said, uh, you know, people are uh, least engaged on Mondays and most engaged on Fridays which I was like, people are most engaged in their work on Fridays? Like that, that just, I, I, yeah, I mean, whenever, when I had a, my full-time job at the internship, Fridays were like senior day. 
I didn't feel engaged. Now I feel very engaged on Fridays right now because I have B minor going Give and videos are going up on the weekend. So it's like Friday is usually a pretty intense nice. day, but I, when I nice. don't have super crazy nice. deadlines, I found that Friday nice. is like the worst day of the week. Nice. So I'm like, nice. I'm curious about this study result. Nice. And I go into the notes section. I find the paper that he cited. It's called Board Mondays and Focused Afternoons, The Rhythm of Attention and Online Activity in the Workplace. Um, and the summary, because I, I didn't have access to the full paper, but it said on yeah, Mondays, they people don't are most be bored, it. but also most focused. Which I think kind of changes the meaning. Because the way he had said it was just like people are just, they're least engaged, most bored on Mondays. But the study says they're bored, but they're also the most focused on Mondays. So, yeah. So I feel like the way that study was cited in the book was a little bit misinterpreted. Um, and that was just sort of a reminder for me to not always just straight up agree with everything that you read in a book, even if there is a scientific study being cited there, because... And, you know, in some cases, the site, the way that the study is cited could be inaccurate or sometimes the study itself could be flawed. And. <laughs> well, in that case, just, you know, accept it. Side on scene. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a, a quote from Aristotle, maybe because I never know if quote citations are real. But uh, it was something along the lines of it. It's the mark of an intelligent mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And I like that quote. Like we don't need to just sight unseen, accept all facts when they are presented to us because they may not indeed be facts. So, yeah, notice confusion. Yeah. And I think that's probably where we can end this unless you have anything else you want to add. There were... Okay. Yeah. Well, the one I'm reading right now, which I would like to discuss on the podcast, is called Range. Uh, it's not really a productivity book. Kind of has to do with human performance and learning, but it's I find it very fascinating. Give me the loop. Give me the loop. So uh, I'm going to put that out there as potential nice. homework for people. Nice. If you want to have read the book nice. before we discuss it, nice. I think the next one we'll discuss nice. will be Range. Nice. I don't know when it's going to be. Nice. I don't make promises on books because I would be dedicating you to reading a book as well. So it will be at some point. So I think that's probably where we're going to yeah, end they this don't, episode. They don't be liking that. Um, as always, you can find the show notes over at CIGpodcast.com slash 296 because this is episode 296. Or you can go over to CIGpodcast.com and find ways to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and the ethereal clouds in space that uh, you see if you look up into the sky in a non-populated place. If you interpret the patterns in a certain way, you will understand that uh, the podcast is all around you. It was inside you the entire time. Just like the power to vanquish evil. <laughs> Thanks, as always, for listening. If you want to support this show, share it with a friend. Let them know what your favorite episode is or maybe give us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the only, or as far as I know, is the only platform that has ratings and reviews. So that is a place where you can where you can leave those. Spotify doesn't have that. I guess you can subscribe on Spotify. That might support us. There we go. Yeah, review, review the podcast on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay. We'll do that. Write us a Yelp review. Write us a TripAdvisor review. <laughs> I've gone on a journey with the College of Boogie podcast. Four out of five stars. <laughs> the snacks weren't very good. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.